Well, as always, it is an honor and a privilege to stand before you this morning in this capacity. I am going to request your prayers. We are exhausted, y'all. We have been moving. Does anybody know anything about moving? That is like, I mean, there's a blessing in the move, but it is a nightmare, and we are exhausted. And then last week, Rodney was sick, and he has wonderfully transferred his germs to me. So we are pressing our way this morning, but I do believe that there is a word from the Lord. So we are going to move quickly. Amen. Somebody say quickly. If the Lord says the same, says the same. I went back to North Carolina for a minute with that says, didn't I? If the Lord says the same. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, if you have your Bibles, if not, direct your attention to the monitors, and we will read from Luke, the first chapter, and we will read verses 26. I'm going to apologize now because we're going to read a little bit longer than we ordinarily do, okay? So Luke 1 starting at verse 26, and we will read through verse 49. Amen. Amen. Now in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed Are you among women? But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Somebody say favor. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. 
And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. This morning, we are going to talk a little, oh, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Amen. This morning, we're going to talk about the pain, the progress, and the promise. Somebody say the pain, the process, and the promise. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name that we come to you this morning, giving you glory and honor for being God, for being great, for being our Lord and King. We thank you, God, for this teaching opportunity, this preaching moment, and we pray, Father, that you would reveal yourself to us in the power of this book. We thank you, God, for showing yourself strong and mighty in our midst today. We are standing in great expectation of you. It is my prayer, Father, that we will hide this word in our heart, that we will not sin against you. We pray, Father, that we will take this word and we will be doers uh, of the, not just doers, but we will be hearers of the word, Father. Father, we pray that you would be glorified in this place. So have your way in this place. Have your way in me. Have your way in us. I pray, Father, that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. So this is a very familiar passage of scripture, um, one that we would normally refer to during Advent or during Christmas season because it tells the story of the Immaculate Conception from the perspective of Mary. And so many of you may remember that I have preached this story, not this text, I've preached this story before from the book of Matthew, which tells um, the story from the perspective of Joseph. And I don't want the familiarity of the text to rob us of what I believe the Lord would have for us on this morning. So we are not going to focus so much on Jesus and his birth for this particular lesson, but rather we're gonna focus on Mary and uh, how she handled this situation in which she found herself. So in essence, we're going to use her as a character template this morning and examine how she handled this pain and the process that ultimately led to the greatest promise of all times. Amen. 
All right, so let's talk about what was actually happening um, before we started reading. I realize we read a lot, but let's go back and, and see what happened in the text before then. So Mary's relative Elizabeth was married to a man named Zacharias. And Zacharias was a priest. And the Bible says that they were good people and they were righteous before God. And the scripture describes them as being blameless in the ordinances of God. So one day, it was Zacharias' turn to serve in the temple. So he was there serving. And while doing so, Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, came to him and he said, uh, Zacharias, I want to let you know that God has heard your prayer. You guys have been praying, and I know it seems like it's been a long time, but the Lord has heard you, and Elizabeth will have a son, and you are to name him John, and everybody is going to be happy about it because this baby is going to be great in the sight of the Lord, and this baby is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And this baby is going to be instrumental in turning the hearts of the children of Israel back to God. He will prepare the way of the Lord. So now Zacharias starts having a little bit of trouble receiving what Gabriel has said. So he's thinking, you know, because we're old, he didn't know how it was going to happen. And so he didn't think it was possible. So as a result, you know, so because he asked Gabriel, like, how is this going to happen? How is this possible? So Gabriel says, listen, uh, 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 nope, you're going to be mute. I'm closing your mouth until the delivery of the promise. Remember, you can't allow, guys, what you've experienced in the past and even what you're going through in the present to rob you of your promise, I'm going to say it again, don't let your past experiences and even the things that you are experiencing in the present moment rob you of your promise. Zacharias was probably thinking, we've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, doc. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to happen. And even right now, his present moment, he's probably thinking, we're just too old. This is not going to happen. But what he did not realize at, the, at that moment was that he was interrupting the plan and the will and the way of the Lord for his life. So don't allow the things that you've experienced, the things that you have experienced in times past to rob you of the, promise, the promises of God. What the Bible says is that the promises of God concerning you are yes and amen. That means, yes, it is so. So when the enemy creeps in and he starts planting seeds of doubt and discouragement in your mouth, in your mind, you speak to him, yes, it is so. When you're going through whatever the situations are and you don't know how the way is going to be made and you're thinking, Lord, I know what you said. I know, I know uh, what you told me was going to happen, but for whatever reason you're unsure, you speak, yes, it is so. Listen, that's a reason to be excited right there. The promises of God concerning you are yes and amen. <clears throat> so Zacharias' days of serving in the temple came to an end. He went home, amen, and spent some time with his wife. And Elizabeth conceived. So that brings us to the point in our text today. So understand that Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. And um, to be married, y'all, that North Carolina is coming out. 
Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married, and Mary is visited as well by the angel Gabriel. So now Gabriel says to her, Mary, you found favor in, with God. You will conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son and name him Jesus. I can imagine that Mary was probably tripping a little bit, y'all. She was probably taken aback. As a matter of fact, she said, how can this be seeing as I haven't been intimate with a man? And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And by the way, this baby, the Holy One that you are carrying, will be called the Son of God. Also, let me go ahead and let you know that your, your, your girl, Elizabeth, your, your relative over there, she is six months pregnant, and even she was once barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. So before we continue um, discussing, discussing the text or what happened in the text, I want to deal with this piece of um, what engagement meant in Jewish culture because it's completely different from what it means in today's time. So there are three stages to a Jewish wedding. And we've dealt with this before. There's engagement, which is the formal agreement between the fathers. Then there is the actual betrothal, which is the ceremony where the mutual promise was made. This stage lasted about a year. And although they were not officially married, they did not live together, and there was no intimacy, the couple did refer to each other as husband and wife. Okay, and then the third stage was married, was marriage. And this is when the couple was actually married. They were actually betrothed, and they were under obligations of faithfulness. Okay, so this was not a casual uh, agreement. This was a legal, contractual, binding agreement that required the signature of witnesses. It was a public act, and it could not be terminated unless by death, or official divorce decree. Here's the other thing. Had it been determined, had it been determined, not had Mary done it, but just had it been determined that she had committed adultery against Joseph, it would have been considered a crime which is punishable by death. Deuteronomy, 20, Deuteronomy 22, 23 says, if a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. Amen? a crime punishable by death. So back to the text. Gabriel had just laid some pretty heavy stuff on Mary. Right? Check it out. So this is, this is the pain. She was engaged to Joseph, and she had to go and tell this man, y'all, that she was pregnant. Can you imagine how she felt when nothing had happened for her to uh, be pregnant in the first place? So she had to go tell this man that she's pregnant, not knowing what her process is going to be. She didn't know if he was going to divorce her. She didn't know what the ridicule she was going to receive from the public. She didn't know how she was going to be received. She didn't know if they were going to stone her, if she was going to be a disgrace to her family, if they were going to consider her a harlot and make her live with the sinners on the outskirts of the city. She didn't know what was going to happen to her. She had a lot of things to consider and a lot of things to endure before ever receiving the promise. Okay, so we're going to take a look 
at her actions through the pain and the process, which ultimately leads to the promise. Are you ready? Point number one, Mary activated her faith. You have to activate your faith. So after Gabriel announces to her that she will conceive a son, he tells her about her relative Elizabeth being pregnant. Mary responds by saying, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, she received the word that was spoken over her life, even though it was not appearing to be for her immediate good she received I mean come on like logically speaking and by all practical means Mary had like every right to really trip out a little bit you know she undoubtedly would have to face the public shame and humiliation that was associated with this situation and people will start talking you know how we do you know, people would start doubting her character. She, you know, they think she all that. She, you know, they, she think, everybody thinks she nice and she a quiet girl, but it's the quiet girls that you really got to watch out for. I don't know why they always got her up on the pedestal. She ain't, she ain't no better than the rest of us. And, and what I knew was going to happen, that's exactly what happened. They ain't fooling nobody. Why are they trying to get married so fast in the first? Come on. You know how we do. She had to deal with all of that. So she agreed to receive a pregnancy that would have seen suspicious, one that could possibly have her put to death. It's hard enough, y'all, when you really are guilty and you really do do stuff that you ain't got no business doing and somebody find out about it and people start talking about it. That's, That's one thing in and of itself. And God is faithful in that situation too. But it's something of a totally different situation when you ain't do nothing and you're being falsely accused and falsely ridiculed and you're having to deal with that public shame and disgrace as well. God is faithful there as well. What Mary did in activating her faith is that she acquiesced to God's plan for her life. She postured her life to live out, thy will be done, where some of us will live out, thy will be changed, or thy will be adjusted a little bit, thy will be turned around a little bit so that I can get more comfortable, or, or thy will be placed on pause until I can really kind of process this situation, the situation, you know what I mean? I know that there's not anybody in the, in the room today who, who feels like that because everybody here is like solid and strong in your faith. But just in case you know somebody who may be struggling, just in case you have like some friends, relatives, or neighbors, let them know that if they could tell the beginning from the end that faith wouldn't be required. Let them know that God is prepared to supply all of our needs. It's according to his riches in glory. Would you let them know that God is too faithful to ever leave us or to ever forsake us, to have to bear a situation and deal with, with hardships on our own? We have to remember in these type of situations God's track record. We talked about that in the reload a couple of Wednesday nights ago. So even though he may not answer the prayer according to the way you see fit, you have to trust that when he answers it, that he's working the situation out for your good, for your benefit. 
Somebody say she activated her faith. All right. Point number two, seek godly counsel. Let's go to the text, verse 39. Verse 39 says, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary and the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb joy. Blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So after Gabriel left Mary, she traveled between 80 and 100 miles to go visit, the, to go visit Elizabeth. She put forth, y'all, considerable effort to make this journey. This was probably a three to four day journey. So she didn't just jump in her car and drive a couple of hours, right? So she also probably knew that not many people would understand and be able to identify what it was that she was going through. But um, when Gabriel explained to her about, Mar- about Elizabeth's situation, she knew that Elizabeth would be able to identify with this whole miraculous conception. If anybody would understand what she was experiencing, if anybody would understand um, what she was dealing with, it would be a person who is dealing with an experience and a process of her own. She went, she went to someone who could give her wise counsel. It's not just enough to go to somebody that uh, can I- identify with you because you will find yourself in the presence of someone who has stinking thinking. You will find yourself in uh, the, presence of, of the presence of someone who is constantly making negative comments. And before long, both of y'all going to be sitting around crying. My mama would say crying the pole mouth and wanting to know why am I in this situation and what's going on. And, you know, you can't talk to everybody about what's going on in your life. You cannot do it. You have to make sure that the people that you associate with are able to identify, yes, but they're also able to speak the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord and blessings of, of the Lord over your life. You go run into everybody, every Tom, Dick, and Harry if you want to. You can find your business out in the street. You're going to find people that you thought you can trust in. They're going to turn, turn the backs on you. So be prayerful and seek God for godly counsel. The Bible says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. That's what the Bible says. That's Proverbs 13 and 20. Say God counsel. So when Mary greets Elizabeth, the scripture said that the babe leaped in Elizabeth's womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she began to prophesy to Mary. Well, the first two statements, y'all, out of Elizabeth's mouth confirmed the very thing that Gabriel had said to Mary. She told her that she was blessed among women and that the fruit of her womb was going to be blessed. So even if Mary had been struggling in her faith a little bit or questioning the plan of God for her life, God used Elizabeth to bring confirmation to the situation. 
She didn't know at the time that the entire purpose of her trip for going to see Elizabeth was to bring confirmation to the things spoken to her by Gabriel. Confirmation, that's important, y'all. Confirmation that she never would have received had she not activated her faith. Confirmation that she never would have received had she not sought godly counsel. Here's the other thing. Remember, uh, Gabriel said to Zacharias when he was in the temple that the babe uh, that Elizabeth was carrying would be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Now, we also just read in verse 41 that uh, as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, the babe leaped and was filled with the Holy Ghost. So now Mary was being encouraged. Not only was Mary being encouraged through her process, but she was also used to be a blessing to someone else. Because now the prophecy that Gabriel gave to John was fulfilled because Mary went and saw Elizabeth. You have to remember that when you're going through situations, it's not just about you. Y'all just saying it's all about you. That's, that's the Jesus. It's not all about you. You have to remember that we talk all the time about this being a communal faith. And so when you're going through trials and tribulations and, and hardships and whatever, like just stuff, sometimes we are so self-absorbed and so self-centered that we can't see the forest for the trees. And we can't see that, you know, this is a situation, when I come out of this, somebody else's life is gonna be blessed. When I come out of this, I'm gonna have a testimony so great that other young women won't have to go through the same thing. When I come out of this, I'm going to have a ministry so strong that I'm going to be able to speak to young men, and it's going to change their lives. It's not about you. Always remember that there is somebody else who can be blessed and whose life can be changed by your obedience. Somebody's life is depending. Somebody's literal life is depending on your obedience to God. Here's the third thing. I'm almost done. Here's the third thing. Somebody say intentional praise. Elizabeth concludes her prophecy to Mary by saying, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Immediately thereafter, Mary begins what is known as the song of Mary. So it says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who has mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Now, actually, that goes on, guys, like for another six verses, but we're going to stop at verse 49. So quick recap, she activates her faith, seeks godly counsels, and then she is intentional with her praise. She offers up a song of praise and thanksgiving right in the middle of her process, right in the middle of her storm, right in the middle of her situation. No changes have been made yet. She's right in the middle of what is going through. She is in a situation that ultimately has a beautiful promise, and she knows that. But right now, it's not a situation 
that could potentially be good for her in the eye of the community. She offers up a praise, this song of thanksgiving, not, not knowing what was going to happen to her and what she was going to encounter in Nazareth. Her faith remained intact, and she kept a praise on her lips, even though her immediate situation had not changed. So, um, I had told you guys a couple of years ago, like our whole move story from um, Richmond to Denver. So now I'm going to tell you this move story from Denver to Atlanta. Can I tell this story? Sorry. This is what the Holy Ghost said. So um, we were in Denver, had been there like three and a half years, amazing ministry, amazing opportunity. God was, it was just great, right? It was, it was just, I always say if I could pick Denver up and move it closer to the East Coast so I could be with my mama and daddy, it would be perfect. Um, so, you know, we were working in like a 20,000-member church, and it was just great, y'all. It was great. But then the grace lifted. So how many of you know that the greatness ain't so great no more whenever God's grace is lifting? The grace was gone, and it was time to do something different. Literally, it was time to do something different. It wasn't that we wanted to go, but the grace had literally lifted off of our lives for that, that particular area, for that particular ministry. And we knew it. And so God was saying to do something different. And we thought God was saying to go to L.A. <laughs> so, you know, Rodney was working in L.A. And, you know, I had gone out there to visit a couple of times. And it's like, okay, you know, eh, we can do it. It's expensive. It's this, it's that. But, um, and then he received a phone call about a church here in Atlanta, not this one. A church in Atlanta was looking for a musician. It was like a great opportunity. So we thought, great pay. Um, and we prayed about it, and the Lord said, go. So we um, came out here and auditioned and interviewed at this church. Had a great weekend. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was Pentecost weekend. So we had a great, I mean, we taught the choir. I directed that Sunday and sang, and, you know, it was just this team you know, we came in, and the church had, you know, it, it was just great. The pastor fell in love with us, and they said, you guys have the job. We are going to hire you. We love you. And uh, they said, we have one more candidate coming next week. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm using the pronoun they because I don't want you to, if I, if I say like the real gender, you might kind of figure out what I'm talking about. So they said, we have one more candidate coming next week. And um, it's just a, 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 a formality. You, this job is yours. Go home, make preparations to move. We are going to give you a moving allowance. We're going to do this. We're going to do that, blah, 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 blah. And we did just that. We went back to Denver, you know, turned in resignations, tell the kids, yo, we're moving to Atlanta. You remember this? So um, I was talking to Siobhan. She was living with us. So um, the next week, we call ourselves, we're going to check out the competition. Y'all remember streamingfaith.com? So this particular church was on streaming faith. 
So we gathered around the computer, the whole house. We gathered around the computer this Sunday morning because we want to see the competition. Who don't have a job because the job is out. <clears throat> we just kind of wanted to see what she was going to do, like what songs she was going to teach, what the choir was going to sound like, how many people going to show, you know. <laughs> Y'all, right after the choir finished singing and this pastor got up to preach, do you know this person in the middle of church on streaming faith says, welcome to our new minister of music. <laughs> you have the job. Y'all, and we sitting around the computer like, that's exactly what was, that's exactly what was happening in that moment. We were like, did she do? We didn't know what to do. We were mad and angry and, uh, We were feeling like, yo, did that just happen? So, you know, we didn't, I think we had already left the church anyway, so we didn't have church that Sunday. But we went bowling that night with some friends, and we told them what happened. And um, even prior to that, you know, I had called my mom and daddy, because sometimes my mom and daddy are like the voice of the Lord for me. And, um, you know, they said, well, what do you guys think you're going to do? And... We said, the Lord told, we know that God said to go to Atlanta. Like that we knew because we were going to go to L.A. We knew God said go to Atlanta. But we thought that that was the method for us to get here, right? Um, let me go back. So when she, when she announced, welcome to our new minister of music, that was the pain, right? So here's our process. Now this moving allowance that we had we don't have anymore, but God said, go. Now this job that he had, he didn't have anymore, but God said, go. So family got together and they helped us financially, y'all, because we were moving from Denver to Atlanta. And um, we came. And we came on one salary. We didn't know at the time what the promise was. We knew that God said, go. And so that's what we did. We came. And we got here. And lo and behold, two weeks later, we are at Christ Center Church. Not only that, well, praise God. Not only that, but this man worked and worked and worked and pounded the pavement, we like to say, and created a name and a platform for, for himself in the city of Atlanta with other musicians and artists and things of that nature. And so we were no longer a one salary income because, you know, just a few months after being here, everybody was calling on Rodney Edge. We knew God said to, to come. And now that, you know, the, the half is the, the story is untold because we were obedient. God has continued to prove himself faithful time and time and time again because for this season of our lives, this is where he has us planted. Y'all, what if when the pain happened, we had aborted the mission? What if the process had gotten too hard and we had stopped and given up? Y'all wouldn't be here with me right now. 
my gosh. We're finished. Um, so sometimes, guys, you're going to go through pain. You're going to go through the process without knowing, like I said, without knowing what the actual promise is. But what I can say for me and my house, we trust God with our lives. Max Lucado poses a question in one of his books. I cannot remember the name of it, but he says, is God good when life isn't, right? And we say, yes, yes, he is. You know, we, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And we're jumping, and we're singing, and we're dancing, and we're clapping, and we're shouting, and we're, and we're still leaving, live, living a life that is defeated. We don't act like God is good. Because just because you don't know how the way is going to be made, y'all don't mean he ain't faithful. Just because you're going through pain don't mean he ain't, he's not there. It doesn't mean that he's not going to carry you through. It doesn't mean that just because the process is much different than you thought it was going to be, that God is not able to bring you to a beautiful and a glorious end. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Second Chronicles uh, 16 and 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. That's what I want you to remember this morning. You have to literally anchor yourself into knowing that it's God's good pleasure to show up on our behalf. But we have to activate our faith. We have to seek godly counsel, and we have to make sure that we maintain an intentional praise. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this preached word and this moment in your presence. We ask, God, that you would seal this word on our hearts. Father, we pray that you would forgive us of any times that we've operated in doubt and we've operated in fear. Father, forgive us of any times where our faith waned and we did not trust you wholly and completely. We repent. We pray, Father, that you would continue to sit on the seat of authority of our lives. We declare that from this moment on, we will trust you. We will depend on you. We pray, Father, that you would call this word back to our remembrance when things get hard for us. We know that you are a God who loves us and you are a God who would never leave us or forsake us. So in this moment, we declare we love you, we praise you, we honor you, and we give you glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're about to go home. Did you learn anything today? Come on, would you put your hands together and thank God for the word?